Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works here for another episode of our flagship show. This is Tom Adams, and today on what is a fairly decent Sunday afternoon, at least for myself, I am joined once again by BPW and BFW's the one, the only I need no name, who once again is halfway, or I should say longer than that, uh, much greater distance all the way across the globe. In how are you doing today on what is still Sunday, I think, for you? Might yeah, it is it's just, just barely still Sunday. So I'm doing just about fine. I mean, it's Sunday, but I have some very serious exams coming up in two weeks, and I'm starting to feel the crunch a little. And also, I had like two weddings to go to today. It's Indian wedding season. People who know, they know. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Anyway, and also, it's the international break, which, you know, it's just we hate that so much. I was just about to say your mood must be very elevated since you have exams coming up and we've been in the international break, snapping some good momentum for Bayern Munich. Uh, I thought you maybe would have caught up on some video games, but it sounds like you've actually been a busy yeah, man. This I, weekend. I, I did play a little bit of Elden Ring, but like uh, I've almost finished the game and I don't want to play anymore right before my exams. So I, I had to cut it down a little. Also, my mood is down again because the IPL has started. And let me just tell you, the team I support, Kolkata Knight Riders, they might have won. But uh, it's not a pleasant thing to watch. OK, it's not it's not nice to watch them. So. I don't, I'm not happy. And I just hope Bayern comes back soon. Well, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I know we had a Germany friendly. We have another one coming up, but uh, we'll be sat here by this time next weekend. And we'll be talking about some Bayern Munich action against SC Freiburg. But until then, and I mean, we still have some things to cover. I mean, we saw some different things in this 2-0 friendly win from Germany uh, in Hoffenheim over Israel. We saw Hansi Flick experiment with the starting lineup just a little bit. We saw Kai Havertz act very well as what seemed to be pretty much a number nine as he does for Chelsea as well at times since Romelu Lukaku has not been getting a lot of minutes. And Timo Werner, again, oh, I, I tweeted this. It seems like he has a knack for scoring like an easy goal or like a tap-in after he's already had a bunch of misses and everyone starts to get on his case. Uh, and then Chuck appears out of nowhere in our Slack channel <laughs> to basically celebrate the goal and go crazy. Uh but in just a few takeaways, I know we got uh, some different looks. We saw Julian Weigel back in the starting lineup, David Rahm in the starting lineup, your favorite defender, Tilo Kerr back in the lineup, Mainz's Anton Stach, who I butchered his name in our last podcast episode. Uh, he came on in the second half. A, a lot of guys uh, got, got first looks. I think there was a few other caps, if I'm not mistaken. First caps for some guys. Schlotterbeck, I believe that was his first start. So in just what did you see? You know, what were some of your takeaways from this friendly? I know it's kind of a dead rubber match, but nonetheless, there was still a lot. Yeah, to look so at. thing is, um, the friendly, I mean, it was dead rubber. Like Israel barely even attacked. They didn't even do anything for 90 minutes. So it was kind of boring. But I'll tell you what was interesting. It was Germany's setup because it's like Germany did not play like a Hansi Flick Bayern. They played like Nagelsmann's system, like... If you notice, it was a back three. Like it was the asymmetrical back four or pseudo back three that we've gotten used to. You had David Round just going straight up the pitch like Alfonso Davies does for us. And he was basically like a winger. I, I mean, I didn't really see David Round doing any kind of defending. And on the other end, you had Tito Kerrer as the right back staying completely behind, didn't go forward at all. You had Julian Draxler going 
to the right, was it? I yes, it's yeah, difficult to say. Right. It's difficult to say because the front four was so fluid. Like sometimes he, yeah. saw, he as you said, sometimes Havertz was like the number nine. Sometimes he was like on the right wing. Sometimes he was on the left wing. And then there was Jamal Muziala, who was sometimes playing like the Thomas Muller role. Sometimes he was in midfield. Sometimes, yeah. So there was a lot of stuff going on. I think in terms of takeaways, we can say that Timo Werner's finishing is still diabolical. <laughs> like even the goal he scored, like if VAR, if he had VAR, I think it might have been ruled out. So yeah, it might have been a hair yeah, offside. Just a hair. And you know how it goes with Timo. You know, whenever if it can be offside, it's going to be. So yeah, so he, he got lucky there a little bit, but Thomas Muller unlucky uh hit the post i was very sad about that but i'll tell you this my dog uh his name is also muller i asked him during lunchtime on saturday do you think muller's gonna score tonight and he he said no he didn't actually say no he <laughs> normally like he, if he says yes he, he nods his head and if he says no he puts his head down so he put his head down and i knew okay muller's not gonna score and then when he got the penalty i'm like is muller gonna be wrong and no he wasn't wrong. My dog is a prophet. Uh, that does not mean I'm going to make a habit of asking him these things because I'd rather not know. But that that is the thing that we saw with Israel this game is that Germany didn't play under any kind of pressure. So everyone just got to do what they wanted to do. Gundogan, he was good. Like um, Weigel, Weigel played that deep-lying playmaker role that has been vacated by Kroos and he did okay i guess like nothing exceptional nothing bad either just okay passable as far as i'm concerned and schlotterbeck schlotterbeck um this is important for both Bayern and dortmund fans because schlotterbeck was good for 90 minutes and then in the 92nd minute he made a mistake that gave away the penalty yeah so yeah. it's hard to evaluate that mistake but as hansi said a mistake like that in the world cup can cost you a game whereas the rest of the game he was excellent so what do you make of that yeah exactly and just kind of piggyback on some of that, it seemed, you know, I made this comment, it looked like, at least in my estimation, obviously you could kind of tell, as you mentioned earlier, Israel really offered nothing going forward. I mean, Munas Dabor tried what he could. He had that one aerial duel that he went for uh, up with, I think, Tilo Kerr, where he kind of bonked his head awkwardly off of the turf. And, you know, it's questionable. He had to get assessed by his Israel's uh, physios, but we mentioned how kind of fluid that front four was. I thought Musiala did exceptionally well in tight spaces, as we've come to expect from what we all know, what he can do at Bayern. Excellent exchanges with Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, uh, Julian Droxler. To me, he looked in the beginning like he was kind of off the pace and the communication and the understanding perhaps wasn't quite there. But this is a guy who honestly doesn't play that much for PSG and you know hasn't really got that much of a solid look in recently uh, in the German setup. So I think it took a few minutes for that to sort of click. And as you mentioned, David Rahm, he just looked like, I, I know it, when I was doing the tweets in the first half, I, I had a lot of appreciation and a lot of praise for him. But he, as you mentioned, all kinds of freedom on that left flank, got in all kinds of crosses. I think it was even him who sent in the corner uh, for a Kai Havertz's goal, if I recall correctly, an in-swinger from the right where he had come over to take. But there were just countless times he got to the byline effortlessly, was able to cross from different positions, just really had his way. And I know... Obviously, with Israel being the opponent, it's not exactly uh, something that you can use as a great barometer for if he's going to have that same success against a stronger opponent, which will be coming up in the form of the Netherlands in just a few days here in. But I was very impressed with him, and I really would like to see him continue to get looks. 
I know that interestingly enough, it was the defense that didn't get changed, right? We saw Tilo Kerr, Jonathan Ta, and Nico Schlotterbeck finish this match as the back three. And uh, a little bit of a, a shape shift when a lot of guys came on in the second half, but still uh, that, that foundation uh, of that shape that we had started with, with the back three, as you mentioned earlier. But in, I, I just want to pose this question to you. I know we already rattled off a lot of guys we thought played really well. You know, Havertz, Musiala, uh, Werner in stages. But yes, he should have probably scored many more goals than just one. But considering, like, do you think there was anything to Hansi not making any changes defensively as far as those three guys I just mentioned? Because like, who do you, because like in your mind right now, who do you see as the solidified, you know, back line, so to speak, if we have to get on so, the plane next week and go to Qatar? So the thing is that um, the only reason I think that uh, Hansi went with this lineup is because, first of all, it's Israel. He had, like, it's a friendly, if this were, for example, a qualifier game, uh, he wouldn't have gone with this back line. As we saw, what yeah. can happen with Italy, like, if you don't go all out. So yeah, what I should say is that I think Nikola Zula and Antonio Rudiger are definitely going to be the starters at Qatar. Okay, so just lock that down. I don't think anyone else is displacing them from their lineup. And mm -hmm. it's very telling that Matt Samuels is fit, but did not get called up. Right. So I don't think Howells is anywhere near Hansi's, you know, Hansi's setup right now. And it's going to take a lot for him to get back in. Marco Royce, I think he's injured. But even if he's not injured, I feel like, you know, the Dortmund players themselves, Marco Royce, Julian Brandt, and Matt Hummels, they are not very near the starting 11 at the moment because, like, as far as Qatar is concerned, I'd like to see David Ram continue getting chances because, as far as I can tell, he's looking better than Gosens ever did. And he actually looks good in a back four type of setup. I mean, it's not a full back four, like so, but it's similar enough to back four that we used to. And I don't understand what's going on with the back, uh, with the right back spot because. Yeah. Riedel Baku, he didn't get called up again. And instead, we have Kerr playing there. Kerr, who does not even get a minute for PSG. And you also have the other option being Jonas Hoffman, who is injured right now, so he didn't get called up. But if he wasn't injured, he would have been there. But Jonas Hoffman, again, is not even like a right back to begin with. He's a right midfielder. So I want to ask Hansi, what, what is wrong with Riedel Baku? Because whenever I watch him for... Wolfsburg, he, he's good, like despite the fact that Wolfsburg have been terrible all season. So I don't know what's going on there. It's a, like a personal thing. And it also reminds me that Bayern were in for Baku at some point in the past before he went to Wolfsburg and someone at the club vetoed it. And I'm trying to figure out if, if that was a Hansi Flick decision or not, because it's starting to look like Hansi might not like Baku all that much. Yeah, that right back spot, it really is such a mystery. I know when Yakim Love was still in charge, at the Euros, you know, we kind of went back to that old routine of using Joshua Kimmich there. But I think Hansi Flick, given his experience with Bayern Munich, is reluctant to do that and wants to keep him in the midfield. I know with Germany, it's kind of the, almost the same issue as we have at Bayern Munich, where there's just like, you know, a Rolls Royce in attack and then just still kind of cagey at defense. And we have our defensive frailties. But, you know, Julian Nagelsmann has continuously chosen to go with that lineup where he starts pretty much all of the attackers at once and then doesn't have much left on the bench to bring on in that option. But yeah, in my mind, I'm kind of looking at this and I'm just like, you know, we've used Lucas Klosterman before uh, at right back in different phases for good. qualifying campaigns. So out of Schlotterbeck, Ta or Tilo Kerr, 
do you think either of those three guys are playing for I a spot like in a starting look, lineup? I think Schlotterbeck and Schlotterbeck is pretty much locked in for uh like if he keeps up his performances with Freiburg and wherever he ends up going this summer, because we are pretty much certain that he's gonna move from Freiburg this summer. Um, whether it's Bayern or Dortmund or someone else, they're going to snatch him up. And I think Schlotterbeck, as long as he keeps up these performances at the club level, he's going to get in on the bench. Whereas Nicolas Zula and Antonio Rudiger are going to start. The right-back spot is is like a confusing one. Everyone keeps getting chances. Hansi seems to really love Tilo Kerr for some reason. I keep I keep making the joke that it's because he made the mistake that led to Kingsley Coman's goal in the Champions League final. But <laughs> <laughs> what, what else? explanation can you give like Tito Kerr is not a great footballer like he's not that good and there are so many better players at some point you even have to ask why not just use uh, Muziala Goretzka pivot and then put Kimmich at right back and that's a legitimate question I think Hansi will have to ask himself as the Qatar World Cup gets nearer but for now as far as this international break is concerned I think we'll see this backline continue and I think Hansi will try and explore his options more. That's where I think the Netherlands game comes in because the Netherlands game, we will be seeing the buying players start because Hansi decided Israel game, no buying players, no Neuer, no Muller. Yeah, no Gnabry, no Sane. Gnabry is actually sick, so he did not travel. No Kimmich, which as we know, because he didn't travel either. No Goretzka because he's still recovering. But at least Sane, Muller, Maziala, Neuer, those guys, I think they will start against the Netherlands. And that's going to be the litmus test, in my opinion. Like, Oh, of course. That's going to be a much better test. And as you mentioned, I think a lot of us are expecting we're definitely going to see uh, far more close to what would probably be a starting 11 in our first group stage match in Qatar, uh, whoever that will be against. I actually believe the draw is, is coming up. I think it's this coming Friday at the time we're recording, actually, if I recall correctly. I remember hearing that. The draw is that early. Minutes. Like, most yeah. of the teams haven't yeah. qualified yet. I know. Um, wait, is it? I want to say it's Friday. It may be a week from Friday, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, yeah, I want to say it definitely is because I'm pretty sure even CONCACAF finishes up very soon. And, you know, at, at the time we're recording, very, very much so, Canada, Mexico, USA could all qualify tonight if, you know, they take care of business. Nice and if Canada gets go there, in right? the same group as Germany, I want to see Fonzie play against fine teammates. <laughs> That very much would be very interesting. But as you said, in I think we're going to see uh, more Bayern guys, a stronger starting 11 to a Netherlands side that beat Denmark 4-2 just a few days ago. And they yeah. pretty much went with a, a pretty much full strength starting 11 too. Uh, another thing from that match, it was nice to see Christian Eriksen play for Denmark again and score. I think he scored Denmark's second goal, if I recall correctly. He got a big celebration yeah. for that. So, you know, the human side of everyone. Loved to see that. It's I think that was the first time he's been with the Danish national team uh, since, since going into cardiac yeah. arrest at the Euros. Yep. Uh, so that was very good to see. But this is going to be, as you said, a, a, the litmus test and a much different test than Israel. And I think we're going to get a way better look at where we're kind of positioned going into uh, Qatar this winter um, and who might be uh, on the fritz of either making that plane or not making up making the plane. Sorry, uh, barring any injuries, which knock on wood. I know Germany and Bayern does not have, they both don't have great luck when it comes to the injury gods, but a lot can happen between now and the end of the season. But in just, just to kind of preview this, I know we kind of already mentioned personnel who we think are going to be in it, but 
What do you think? I mean, we've had some fiery affairs with the Netherlands in the past and qualifying for the Euros, you know, a 3-2 win come from behind. We've had a loss against them. I played poorly against them in the Nations League after the World Cup in Russia. But what are your expectations for this game? What do yeah, you think so since Louis van Gaal is back at the Netherlands, so you have two former Bayern coaches going against each other. That's pretty interesting in my opinion. And um, the guy who discovered Thomas Muller versus the guy who made Thomas Muller his main man. And I like that. I like that as a personally, as a Muller fan, I like, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to definitely stay up and watch in terms of what I expect from a tactical perspective, Van Hal, what kind of lineup did they use? Because was it a back three or was it like a normal? Yeah, it was kind of like they've been using or they had used several matches at the Euros the back three, so Delict, uh, Van Dyke, and then Nathan Ake, I think, started. Uh, and then Denzel okay. Dumfries and Daly Blind as kind of like wing backs. Uh, so much like we saw Dumfries at the Euros kind of So that forward, might uh, explain that why Hansi Flick went with a back three against Israel, because one of the established methods to stop back three is to mirror it. So we might see another yeah. back three. We might just see another back three against the asymmetrical back three against the Netherlands again. And in terms of attack, I think the attack will be important because we will have Thomas Muller starting from the beginning. And if Thomas Muller, Leroy Sané, Timo Werner, and Kai Havertz are all on the pitch, like that's that's just that's just goals guaranteed, right? Like, yeah. how can they not score? I know Van Dyke is there, and he's he's great. I I know that. You don't have to tell me that, Tom. But <laughs> like, but like, like, how can you not score with that kind of interplay and that kind of just like we we talk about Timo Werner's issues with finishing but he's so good with his interplay with Kai Havertz and with Jamal Musiala as we saw and if those guys play if Thomas Muller was also added to the setup which he wasn't there with against another sorry against Israel until like the 70th minute or something so if he's added to that I think there is no way that Netherlands can keep a clean sheet unless Germany has some horrendous, horrendous, like fine versus Real Madrid level finishing. Like, and in terms of what I want to see, I just, I just want to put this out there. I really need to see, um, Kai Havertz as a number nine, just as a solid, fully fledged number nine, not, not in any of these hybrid roles that we saw against Israel, just a full number nine status. And with Thomas Muller behind him, Timo Werner can be the left forward, left inside forward or whatever kind of system he wants to be in, or you can have Leroy Sané there, Timo one on the right, who knows, but Kai Havertz put him at number nine and Thomas Wunder behind him. I want to see that. And maybe even a midfielder, Muziala and someone else. It's, it's interesting because I don't think Muziala and Gundogan is going to be a solid midfield. Like I don't think they can really hold their own. So that might be something Hansi will have to change. Yeah, I agree. And I'll be curious to see what he does with that. Uh, and I'll be curious to see if he chooses to start Julian Weigel again, uh, because for all intents and purposes, as far as I'm concerned, he is a bit more of a holding midfielder, um, which I can't say I watch a lot of Benfica, although I'll have to do a do lot I. of scouting as uh, Liverpool face Liverpool him in the Champions League next to them. them. Obviously, if did, we did Weigel play against Bayern this season, I don't remember him at all. Uh... I feel like he might think, have, unless think he had about been, the uh, Bayern versus Benfica yeah. games. Do you remember seeing him? Do you remember any highlights from him? I I feel like I vaguely do, but I can't remember if he was hurt back then. Most of, in my memory, most of uh, what I'm remembering 
from Benfica is the the Portuguese guy with kind of like the flowy hair had done really well against uh, all Barcelona. I remember from Benfica is Nicolas Otamendi being such such an ass like oh I used to dislike yeah, him he was when he so so annoying so annoying to play against they he's constantly fouling Louis and that's all I remember I don't remember seeing Weigel at all and seeing oh, so he him did, he did a full 90 yeah. in the uh okay the four nil that we won in oh. October he did a full well 90. that's that's not a I, I, there's nothing to yeah, really not exactly voting well like, for him we, that we don't remember apparently Benfica are having one of their worst seasons in their history like in their recent history and they somehow are in the Champions League quarterfinals so oh, it's it's hard to say like what's going on with them oh, and, and and then he was an unused sub the second time we played them interestingly an enough, unused sub 5-2 wow weird the aliens okay yeah. that's that that makes it even weirder like there are these guys that Hansi has called up that like you struggle to justify it like at least Weigel he offers something different he offers what Kroos used to offer but again he doesn't play in the top five league and at least he's playing regularly in the Champions League that that he can give for him but on the other hand you have guys like Ta you have Tilo Kerrer as I've said before and I'm gonna keep saying why is he getting called up? Same thing goes to Union Draxler. Barely pays for PSG when he plays. He's nothing exceptional. So why did why did these guys keep getting called up? Aren't there anyone? Isn't there anyone else you can call up? Is the German talent pool really that sparse? Maybe with uh, care, and it's one of those situations where when he knows these international breaks are coming up, he fires off a uh, WhatsApp message to Hansi Flick and you know Oliver Bierhoff and the guys at the DFB. It says, "Hey." If case you haven't noticed, I haven't been playing that much for PSG, so I'm nice and fresh to come in and do a number for Deep yeah, Shop. Sure. So just give me a call. Yeah, make sure. Sure meanwhile, because I'll be I'll be rested, energized. Yeah. It's not like we have <laughs> any Champions League quarterfinals to play. Ooh, so. <laughs> a good opportunity to burn PSG, which I, I I must admit I'm surprised I have not done that yet. Uh, but yeah, it is That's uh, especially as a Bayern fan, good to see. Yeah, it's it's we need it. It's just weird to call up any of these PSG guys. Like, first of all, they're not even a good team to begin with. Like, their defense is horrible and their attack is okay, I guess. Like, even with Messi and Neymar and Mbappe, like, it's all okay. And even then, Draxler and Kerr, they can't get any minutes. So, what does that what does that say about them? And we also yeah. know that League One is, like, probably, in terms of just sheer quality, the weakest of the top five leagues. And... When you factor all that in, like you just have to wonder what what is going on in Hansi's head. Like, does he want these guys really to just play themselves into form? Is he like is is it that thing that Joachim Lowe used to do, where he would call up players that he likes and try to give them a platform from the national team to help them in their club careers, or is it something else? I don't know, and um, I, I I really can't I I I I can't even speculate at this point. It's like. Yeah, it's it's weird. That, uh, yeah. That discrepancy where you have yeah. some national team managers where it's like, I don't know if legacy would be the word, but they, they pick players sometimes based off of merit and legacy just because they've always been around the national team yeah. setup, regardless of if they're doing well or poorly or not playing at all, really, quite frankly, yeah, exactly. for their clubs, you know, when you definitely have to balance, you know, your, your veteran players, players that are in form at that time going into a tournament or international break qualifiers, whatever it may be, but. Um, that's you know that's why the international managers get paid. And that being said, like difficult decisions. I mean, it's not like Hansi is afraid to drop anyone. I mean, Hummels has been dropped basically. Like 
Uh, that's that's basically what you have to call it today. He's not performing, so he is no longer part of the squad. But if Howells doesn't get in, why is Draxler getting in? And like, there's so much talent in those positions for Germany. Like, maybe it's just because, and maybe in this particular international break, it's just because like Gnabry's out, so you just need someone else to make up the numbers. But you have yeah, guys filling like the seats, so yeah, filling this, <laughs> filling, making up the bodies. But it's just. Like, if this is any indication of how Hansi Flick wanted his transfers to be at Bayern Munich, then I am kind of glad that Brazil never really said yes to him because, like, come on, these are not, like, this is, these are not good choices. Like, aside from the Bayern players and the obvious Chelsea players, Hansi isn't really uncovering any uncut gems or anything. He's just calling up who he pretty much should. Nothing, nothing spectacular there. Right. You know, we do have a lot of time between now and when he has to make that finalized roster for Qatar. Uh, and we'll see if we get some different looks and, and how we perform and what the takeaways will be for that friendly against the Netherlands, which is Tuesday, uh, 2.45 yeah. Eastern Standard Time. I think uh, everyone else in the world, in addition to the U.S., uh, springs the clock forwards finally. You know, it's it's always that odd period where we do it before everybody else. So I think we'll yeah, be back on we don't have schedule. it at all in India, so... <laughs> They're actually, I think, trying to pass legislation to just do away with daylight yeah. savings time. So here in the U.S., it might be, I don't know how you would feel about this, Andrew, what it's like where you I'm live. I'm happy with it. I, feel like I, I just, feel like I wouldn't mind if the sun didn't come up until 9 a.m., just as long as it's out until 7 or 8, you know, when we're out of work and we can actually go out and enjoy it. I don't really much care if, it, you know, there's nothing like a good sunrise. Don't get me wrong, not to be romantic here, but... Um, you know, on the five day work week, I feel like no one would really care if it was dark still until like nine or 10 a.m. here. And then the sun finally came out. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, it gets dark at like five o'clock here or five or six o'clock in uh, the evening. So it doesn't matter to me at all. But anyway, so <laughs> let's 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 change gears a little. And this is something that we, time. <laughs> yeah, let's let's change gears a little. And since our last topic, we were talking about like how flick would have made transfers to set up Bayern Munich. Let's talk about transfers a little because yes. yeah, there's some, there's, there's quite one a lot big of noise story. Bayern. There's one big story right now, which is the fact that Bayern have matched Barcelona's offer for Ajax's Nusser Matsraoui. And according to Build, there is a feeling around the club that like, even though Barcelona have him as a top target and it was reported in Spanish sources that Barcelona have basically done the deal, it feels like he could still make the choice to switch to Bayern and something to do with Mino Raiola and lots of stuff. But that's that's a different story. For now, let me ask you this, Tom. What do you think about the money being offered to Nusser Matsraoui? It's around $5 million per year net, which is around $10 million, uh gross, like €10 million Euros a year. So what do you think about that? Like, do you think it's worth it? Do you... Are you concerned? Do you think we should go for someone else? So objectively, taking the Bayern hat off, I don't think it's that much money, but putting that Bayern hat back on, knowing the financial setbacks that we've been dealing with and how tight we've been with finances when it comes to transfers and getting new deals negotiated, new contracts negotiated for our own players and key players at that, I think it's a little steep, but I also think it's a positive signal from our front office to everybody else and to other clubs that will be interested in the same transfer targets that we are, that we're serious about replacing Nicolas Sula. And we're here, uh, we're here to play hard, uh, play ball, so to speak. And we're not afraid to you know, put in serious bids for players that really, we really want 
and for players that really are considering joining us and like us more than any other club. So in this case, Barcelona. Um, it doesn't necessarily help that they've been in pretty good form since Xavi has taken charge, but um, I, I think that our front office is prepared to offer a good plan for him, just as they've done for uh, his teammate at Ajax, Ryan Gravenberg. So um, I think for what it's worth, we're making the right move and it's worth it. And we'll see if it pans out because goal number one, in addition to getting Lewandowski, Thomas Muller, uh, and Manuel Neuer renewed and signing new deals would be replacing Nicolas Sula 100%. Yeah, that's fair enough. But there is one thing that you did neglect to mention, which is the fact that, well, you did allude to it because it looks like we are starting to get into bed with these super agents because <laughs> Matsraoui's agent is Mino Raiola, who is also the agent for Ryan Gravenberg. And Bayern are bidding very aggressively for Gravenberg. Right now, the what is it? We have bid 15 million plus 10 million in variables. And Ajax is still holding out for something like 30 million, which is a lot of money. But like right. that, that is something that we seem to be doing for Raiola. Like as far as I know, like from an Ajax perspective, they have said, as far as I've read on sites like Reddit and stuff, like don't take this as gospel. But it seems like Raiola promised Ajax that he would not let... Um, Gravenberg leave for free, which is why he is trying to get him out of Ajax right now. And his contract expires next season, I mean, next year. And Bayern is the main bidder. Like, there are other teams bidding, but Bayern seems to be making the first bid. And knowing us, we are rarely the ones to make the first bid on a player. And it looks like this seems like a favor to Raiola and something that we might be doing more and more often. Because as you know, we have some bad blood with super agents like Zahavi. Zahavi, yeah. oh man, we can't get even we can't even get into a room with Louis because our bosses hate Zahavi so much. And there was that <laughs> fiasco with David Alaba's contract extension, which also left a lot of bad blood between them. And I don't know, like maybe this is the new, what should I say, strategy determined by Oliver Kahn and Herbert Heiner, but under Karl-Heinz and Early Hannes, I don't remember us ever going after like super agent clients this often. Uh, maybe, maybe you can say that the only time we did was back in the Carlo era. If you remember, we bought Renato Sanchez for 30, 35 million. And then yeah. we got James Rodriguez to come to us for a very cut price deal just, just a year later. And both of them were represented by Jorge Mendes, who is one of the other big super agents that everyone knows about. So yeah. in terms of super agents, that seems to be the extent of our dealings with them. But now it seems like we are going to get uh, involved with Viola and maybe others going forward. So a bit, bit scary given given their reputation and our offer to Matsurawi, as far as I can tell, is a four-year contract and not a five-year one. So maybe that's going to be something of a contentious point because at the end of his contract, he's going to be 28 and again, looking for another move probably. And Bayern will need to extend with a lot of money if he turns out to be good. But that's just the kind of, what should I say? The kind of risk you run at this stage of, at this point, like you just have to bite the bullet and extend these players if they're good enough. And if then not, then you need to go or resell them in some cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as you, as you just said, it's all about that calculated risk. Um, and I would add to that, too. You know, I, I spoke just a few moments ago about 
our front office sending the positive signals to both our fans and to other clubs who are after uh, similar transfer targets to us. You know, we had Nico Schlotterbeck of SC Freiburg saying recently that he is 100% open to either leaving or staying at the club, depending on what happens. Uh, as we spoke about earlier, we were discussing Germany's friendly against Israel. He's been having a fantastic season under Christian Strike. I think he scored four goals in the Bundesliga, has been a very, very solid performer in Christian Strike's defense. And Freiburg, I believe right now, sitting in fifth place. So a European spot, one outside of Champions League qualification. And uh, we'll get a good look at him next weekend, obviously, uh, when Bayern traveled to the Black Force to take on Freiburg. But we are interested in him. Borussia Dortmund are also interested and likely he would cost probably 25, 30 million euros. His contract, much like uh, Lewandowski, Muller and Neuer is set to expire next summer. So this is a crucial point for him as well. And just the mere fact in that we've expressed interest in getting him, I think is another signal, whether it's feasible, realistic, or something we'd actually pull the trigger on that remains to be seen. But I think especially with this Oliver Kahn meeting last month with Nino Raiola kind of threw a lot of us for a loop. Uh, we didn't necessarily know how serious the discussions were based off everything they discussed in Monaco uh, when they were uh, had that rendezvous. So another, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but do you think that's another positive signal or just kind of a, a little bit of smoke and mirrors for Bayern? Uh, some of it might be smoke and mirrors. Like some, I don't know how many of these targets we're going after are actually serious targets. Like Matthias Ginter, for example, we keep hearing from the media that we are interested, but we haven't made a bid. We are reluctant to make a bid. And if you're interested, you're never going to be this reluctant to make a bid. Okay. His yeah. contract <laughs> expires. He is it's contract expires this summer. If we want him, he, we can have him as soon as we call, pick up. He, like he's going to pick up the phone instantly if Bayern calls and he's confirmed that he has no contact with Bayern so far. So I think that he is basically at the bottom of our list as far as, you know, Niklas Zula replacements go. Our top, targets right right now are that right back which you know we have been looking for a right back for over two years now like i mean we wanted Sergio dest in the first place and Barca got him and again we are in a battle for another ajax right back with barcelona so i hope we win this time and i hope if if that happens i think the need for a stool replacement is a lot less urgent we can move Pavard to the centre-back spot and have him as a right-back backup, while we also use Matsurawi as our main attacking right-back, which is something that Nagelsmann really wants. Like Both Nagelsmann and Flick, if you recall, they have been all but asking for an Alfonso Davies type player on the right-hand side. And I haven't seen much of Matsurawi, but based on what people tell me and based on like just analyses and stuff that I read online, he's that kind of guy. He's not that super pace kind of player but he's creative and he can make things happen on the right hand side so that's what i hope for i think i think that that opinion right there that you just shared is pretty consistent with what most Bayern fans would think regarding this situation especially knowing that it's very unlikely we're really seriously going to splash a lot of cash for a right back and even potentially a, a Sula replacement because as the front office has been adamant we're trying to be tight with finances and you know make up for losses that we've suffered and in, I think we've discussed a lot today. I think that's a good place to finish. Um, a lot to digest. I know yeah. sometimes it's not as interesting of material because it's international break, but you know, I think this is probably a good place to end it. What do you think? Yeah, it sounds good to me. And it is pretty late here. So I got to go to bed after this. Yes, I've got to stop keeping you up <laughs> very late. Yeah. So, again, everyone, thank you very much for listening to Bavarian Podcast. 
Podcast Works, the flagship episode with myself and in. Yeah, so remember to like, rate, and subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anything you can think of. Remember to follow us on Twitter at BavarianFPWorks, and we will see you next time, which is probably going to be the post-game part for the, sorry, the preview part for the Freiburg game. So see you then. Good night.